here, welcome to She Can, the podcast, where the goal is for you to leave each episode feeling empowered to go after what you want and knowing that if she can, so can you. Let's get started. Hi friend, thank you so much for listening to episode number three of the podcast. I loved last week and I loved all your feedback about the energy podcast from last week. And it's really led into what I'm going to talk about today. So last week I spoke about energy and the power of your energy and how it introduces you before you even speak. And I spoke about how at any given time, any given point in your life, you are in control of your energetic frequency and you get to control the way that you feel. And last week I had a day that I just felt a little bit flat And to be honest, it was, you know, the week before the time of the month and those hormones on that particular day of the calendar can be pretty tough. If you know, you know. However, Stephen, on that day, my husband said to me, well, Meg, the thing about energetic frequencies is that you get to control how you feel at any given point in your life. And he literally repeated back at me verbatim my previous podcast. And in that moment, I felt like chucking the podcast mic at his head (laughs) and it really made me think, you know, there are days in your life where all of the personal development in the world just won't make you feel any better and that night I went to bed at the same time as the kids, eight o'clock, I was in my bed and I woke up the next day and everything was well with the world and all that I needed to do that night was just go to sleep and everything felt better and This week I've been researching a concept which has really opened my eyes and honestly it's a contradiction to a lot of what I have learned over the last 12 years but I'm seeing a lot of value in this concept and I'm taking parts of this and parts of what I've already learned in my life and really meshing it together to learn a little bit more about how we as humans work and how our brains work and how we can get the best of our brains and the best of our emotions and just go out there and achieve what we want to with feeling good at the same time and with helping others to feel good at the same time. So something that I learned 12 years ago when I started business, I was introduced to a concept called the law of attraction. Now the law of attraction is all about basically what you think about, you bring about. What you decide will happen in your life is what you decide will happen in your life. Good and bad. So all thoughts turn into things eventually. So if you focus on negative doom and gloom, you'll remain under that cloud. However, if you focus on positive thoughts and you have goals that you aim to achieve, you'll find a way to achieve them with a lot of action behind that. The challenge with this concept and something that's always felt a little bit icky to me is that you are in control of everything that happens in your life, good and bad. So it means that even when people in your life go through really hard times or there's illness or there's accidents or really horrible things in your life happen, then it can lead you to believe, well, you created it. You manifested that, if you like. That's always been icky for me. It's never sat well with me. And I was listening to a podcast this week about a term which I have only recently heard about called toxic positivity. And it really gave a whole new angle on our emotions and the thoughts that we think and the way that we feel. And this term, toxic positivity, is basically, my explanation of it would be 
that you're so positive, you do not allow any emotions to come through and you stick a shiny plaster, a shiny sparkly plaster on an open wound and say, it's okay, there you go, on with your life. That's the kind of term toxic positivity. And I listened to a podcast by Brenny Brown and she had a guest on it called Dr. Susan David who has just written a book called Emotional Agility and Susan David is an award-winning Harvard Harvard Medical School psychologist. She has consulted many, many um, Fortune 500 companies. She's got clients like the World Economic Forum, the United Nations, Google, Microsoft, to name a few. She's a clinical psychologist, PhD, postdoctor at Yale University, Basically, she knows her stuff. And she's written this book called Emotional Agility. She's also done a TED Talk, which you can go on and have a look at. And she introduced this concept by talking about the term toxic positivity. Now, to explain what this is, she used an example. And if you think about how you felt during the pandemic, I say felt, it's still happening. How you feel during the pandemic, put those words on a post-it. So Brenny Brown did this exercise and she wrote things like overwhelmed, scared, confused, fearful, weary. And then Susan said, okay, so if I was, you know, working toxic positivity on you, I would say, okay, now turn that post-it round and write everything that you're grateful for on the other side of the page. So you're taking that person who is feeling all of those feelings and struggling in that space and you're just saying, now be grateful for this, be grateful for that. And really they're not, feeling that grateful in that point they're they're feel, they're going through a tough time and it's that concept of just you know being positive all the time being the positive poly you know always being scared to say anything negative every cloud is a silver lining you know always look on the bright side of life and this goes so far that people are sometimes afraid to voice any negative emotion. Even the, even the term negative emotion, I'm sure, is probably not the best. But they're afraid to voice anything like worry or stress or anger because they don't want to then, A, they don't want that to happen. They don't want that to then be manifested in their life. And B, they don't want to make the other person feel uncomfortable. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was sitting with a friend and my friend was feeling overwhelmed, scared, confused, worried, angry, and I said, how are you? And they say, I'm good, thanks, how are you? That saddens me that that person can't talk about how they feel. That that person doesn't feel like they can actually express their emotion. And I'm sure for you listening, you wouldn't want that either. But I think when we focus so much on positivity and you know Instagram quotes and things you know and nice Instagram or Pinterest quotes that say dream it believe it what you think about you bring about all of that kind of thing sometimes it can go so far as to make people feel that they are not being seen to make people feel that they are not being heard or that their their feeling is invalid in some way or that they they don't want to put they don't want to bring you down so they don't voice that and it's really interesting learning about this because I'm definitely seeing both schools of thought and I don't think that either school of thought has to be exclusively followed I think there's there's definitely elements to be learned from both and it made me think about when you say to someone hey how are you when someone asks me hey how are you I say good thanks how are you it's an automatic, ingrained reaction. And I do that because I know that 
the person who has asked me that, I know that's what they want to hear. So I'll always say, I'm good, thanks, how are you? And this goes to the point where even if I'm really not good, if I'm lying on the floor, bleeding, you know, can't get up, how are you, Meg? Good, thanks, how are you? (laughs) And it's actually laughable because it's so ingrained in me to say, good, thanks, that even when I'm really not good, it's my automatic reaction. And it's becoming a problem when the entire society feels that that has to be the answer regardless of how they're actually feeling, regardless of the emotions that are underlying that smile. And it also made me think of cultural differences when the first time I went to America, I remember someone said, hey, how are you? And then they walked past me and I'm like, wait a minute, she didn't even ask, she didn't even wait for my response, she just walked past me there she wasn't actually asking that's just their way of saying hi they say hey how are you and then they move on with their next thing they're not actually waiting for your response and I'm like good thanks how are you meanwhile that person has disappeared you know three meters away from me and I'm left looking like a plum however I digress so this term toxic positivity it's almost a contradiction in terms to me the the word toxic and the word positivity in the same phrase but the more I learn about it, the more I actually understand it and the more I think I've I've really been guilty of it in the past. And if you think about any powerful conversation that you've had with someone who has just made you feel so much better about a situation that you're going through or made you feel really validated the way that you're feeling or you know, you've walked away from that conversation feeling good, it's usually because you've been heard. It's usually because you have voiced your emotions and the person has sat with them, listened, there's been space for silence and they've understood. And if you focus so much on the law of attraction that those emotions would never even come out because they would be they would be shoved to the bottom. They would, you know, they would they would just be pushed to the bottom, pushed to the bottom, pushed to the bottom. And then one day they have to come out somehow or one day they, you know they'll explode and you just have a have a rage at someone so these are these are the kind of conversations that i would say just embrace and just have a think about having your emotions act as data about how you're feeling so something that susan david said is in her book emotional agility is emotions are data not directives so When you feel the emotion of anger, for example, it doesn't mean that you have to then go and lash out and be angry. When you feel the emotion of sadness, it doesn't mean that you have to go and, you know, sit in a dark room and have tears. It's just a data. It's the way that your human mind is saying, okay, you're feeling a little bit like this. And the skill is to then think, okay, why am I feeling a little bit like this? And learn from that and use it as a signpost to where you where you need to go or what your values are for example. So say for example, you are watching the news and you feel rage when you watch the news and your automatic reaction is to turn it off, block it out, focus on only positivity. That's okay for a while, but rather what you can do is watch it, understand it, and then understand the feeling that you have. And this is something that I'm speaking from personal experience here. I find it really, really difficult to watch the news. And Usually I just turn it off, block it out of my life, la 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 la, put my fingers in my ears, 
this information, this conversation really made me think about why I switch off the news. And it's a signpost that you have empathy for other people and that one of your high values in life is fairness and that everyone feels valued and everyone feels safe. So that's a signpost that you need to make moves to provide that in your life. You need to make moves to allow people to feel that who come into contact with you. Maybe you feel anger and that's a kind of broad term that that you've just used. I feel roughly angry, but when you dig a little bit deeper, why do I feel angry? Then you can think, I feel angry because I feel voiceless. I feel like I am not being heard. And actually, I should be heard because my voice matters then that's a signpost that you need to go and find a way, find a platform, find a way to speak, find a way to have your voice heard. And that would never have come to fruition had you bottled that emotion or, you know, trod that emotion so far in the depths of your mind that it doesn't actually come out because you're so worried about manifesting whatever that feeling is, if that makes sense. So it's really interesting when you start to explore these different thoughts and you start to just realize how that can come into play in your life as a as a leader in your life as a businesswoman or a career woman or a parent even you know they on this podcast they use an example of when when Brenny's kid came home from came home from nursery and she wasn't invited to a party. So Brenny Brown's initial reaction was, we will throw you a party. It's going to be bigger, better, bolder. You're going to have a bouncy castle. You're going to have ice cream. Your party's going to be so much better than that person's party. And actually, do you think that makes the wee girl feel any better? No, it doesn't because the root of the issue is that she wasn't invited to the party and that feels hard. That feels sad. And the best piece of advice that you can actually give your child when they're feeling sad is give them the tools to help them voice that and help them speak out how they're feeling and just sit in that and realise that emotions will pass. So you weren't invited to the party, That that's, that's hard. That's hard to take. It's okay to feel sad about that. And just let there be silence and then the child will probably speak and share their emotions far more than they would have if you'd automatically dived in with it's going to be okay though we'll we'll fix it we'll we'll phone that person's mum and dad and we'll make sure you get an invite you know these are just coping mechanisms that we have and we do it as we do it in all of our different roles in our relationships and our our careers and it's just a really valuable lesson to learn that people just need to feel seen. They need to feel heard. And if I think about any moment of leadership that I've had in the past 12 years, the most powerful moments in my leadership role have been those moments where I have seen people, been moments where I have actually heard people and acted on their emotions and, you know, the way that they're feeling. And then we have collectively moved forward after hearing that rather than just you know, going forward with the sparkly plaster and the sparkly, yes, you can, I can do it, dream, believe, achieve type notebooks, slogans. So those are just just some of the things that I, I learned through that conversation. And there's a, there's a sentiment from Viktor Frankl that says, between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space is our power to choose our response. So 
whenever you come into contact with something that has an an immediate emotional reaction with you, just give yourself a little bit of space. Rather than throwing it to the side, rather than bottling it up, rather than, you know, keep keeping calm and carrying on, just feel that feeling and allow that feeling to then help you with your response going forward. Because when there is a space for that, then your response will be far greater than it would be if you just automatically ran into that response. So it's really, really interesting when you start to explore this term and this school of thought that really is just emphasising the fact that we are human beings, we are emotional, we do have emotions and judging yourself for feeling pain, sadness, any of those things that are part of the human experience can lead to secondary emotions which actually are harder to deal with, things like shame and things that really can lead to further problems down the line. And the pressure to appear to be okay all the time can invalidate people. So just in your conversations, just ask people how they are and actually wait for the real answer. Ask people how they are and ask them again. Once they say, I'm good, thanks, how are you? Ask them again, but how are you? How actually are you? And then listen to that answer. And honestly, I think if we were to ask more of that question and actually have the space for the answer, then it would make a massive difference in our society if we all started doing that, not only to our colleagues, to our business partners, to our in our relationships, to our children, but in every in every contact that we have, in every conversation that we have, because we can learn so much from just hearing people and seeing people. And I think it's really important to say that although I see a lot of validity in this toxic positivity concept, I also hands down 100% believe that so much of how you feel and how you how your energy is and the way that you live your life is in your control and it's okay to feel these emotions and you know experience those emotions but there's so many things that you can do to make yourself feel better and this concept of emotional agility is not about feeling hard feelings and staying in them all the time it's about feeling them recognizing them and then using them as directives about where you want to go in your life And then you can still use all of the tools of, you know, positive thinking and, you know, starting your day off well and exercising and feeding your body with good nutrition and, you know, having a gratitude list because having a gratitude list is so, so crucial. No, it's not a plaster. It's not, it doesn't solve feelings of overwhelm and fear and confusion but it can put you in a good frame of mind. So I think personal development and the world of personal development is honestly like, it's like a buffet. You take what you want, you leave what you don't. It's like a like a fruit. Enjoy what you want, spit out the seeds. At any given moment in your life, you may need elements of the law of attraction. You may need elements of emotional agility. And even although exploring each topic in real depth may not go hand in hand, there's definitely elements to be learned from both. And 
it's just about, you know, being able to step back and deciding what parts of each concept that you want to take on board. I, for one, do not want to take on board the fact that I create really hard situations in my life, in my family's life. I'm, I'm not for that. I don't think it's my fault at all. And if that's happened to you, I don't think it's your fault either. However, I do think that when you have a vision, when you have a goal and you're working towards it, then there's a piece of your brain called the reticular activating system, which will bring opportunities to the forefront of your mind. It will make you see opportunities that will introduce you to people who you may not have been introduced to before had you not had that vision. So, you know, these types of things are so, so crucial to just take what you want and spit out the seeds. So I hope that's provided some value for you. I can't wait to hear what your thoughts were and to hear if you have experienced toxic positivity or if you have, maybe you've been someone who has definitely been guilty of it. I, like I said earlier, have definitely been guilty of it. And I think to overcome anything in life, the first step is recognition. Oh, I do that. And then you can move on. And although this is, impacted a a lot of ways that I live my life. When someone asks me, how are you? I'm still going to say, I'm good, thanks. How are you? (laughs) But when I'm really not, when I'm really, really struggling, then, you know, I, I will ask for help and I will put that out there because I don't think it's healthy not to. And I hope that you stand with me on that. And I hope that you take that on with your life as well. Let me know what you thought. And I can't wait to speak to you next week. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you found value from that episode today, then I would love for you to share it on your social media. You'll find me at Instagram at Meg McLean UK and the podcast is at SheCanPod. And if you found value, then please hop onto Apple Podcasts and write a five-star review. I would love you forever. And that really helps the visibility of the podcast and helps us get good guests and all the rest of it on the podcast. So Thanks so much for your time. Thank you for spending your half hour with me and I hope to see you really soon.